welcome to My Favorite Theorem, a math podcast where there's no quiz at the end. I remember we did that uh, tagline for like, I don't know, probably two years ago or something, and I forgot that I wanted to keep doing it, but I did it today. I'm Evelyn Lamb, one of your hosts. I'm a freelance math and science writer in Salt Lake City, Utah, and this is your other host. Hi, I'm Kevin Knudsen, professor of mathematics at the University of Florida. Yeah, I forgot that tagline too, and it's a pretty good one. Uh, let's let's let, let yeah i mean after our last we'll recording session later. after our last recording <laughs> session we agreed we needed we needed a real tagline um so yeah um it, it is uh we're recording this on february 18th which means that uh texas is largely without power and frozen and yeah. it's, it's 82 degrees in florida today so oh wow yeah it's, yeah most it's of my family's weird. in texas and it is not great do, do they um, have power or no most of them do all of mm -hmm. them do sometimes right uh, actually no, i think water is getting to be yeah. the problem now right the yeah i haven't heard about any problems with that from my family but yeah it's, it's not great i mm -hmm. i hope that it warms up there soon and yeah. everything yeah. can come back online right. um but right. This today we yeah <laughs> today we're very happy to be talking with howard macer who is in a place that is very used to yeah. being cold and snowy <laughs> um so yeah howard do you want to uh introduce yourself tell us yep. a little bit about yourself okay thank you first of all thank you very much for uh inviting me to do this it's uh, i was been very excited thinking about about it um yes i'm um, I'm on the faculty, math faculty at the University of Chicago, um, and I've, um, I guess, been working in mathematics for quite a long time and, and still enjoy it a great deal. Um, it's a major part of, very big part of my life. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, what um, your invitation to talk about um, things that are, uh, you know, my favorite theorem led me to, you know, think about what that would be and, and, and why I, you know, well, chose what I did. And, and it made me think that, yes, I somehow what I really like the most in mathematics, or one of the things is, is mathematics that connects different fields of mathematics. Uh, mm -hmm. And, and, um, you know, maybe unexpectedly connects different fields. And um, I personally, uh, have worked in um, on and off in complex analysis and in geometry and um, dynamical systems, another field. And I love the part of mathematics that sort of connects them. So I yeah, guess well, that that's perfect because I, I mean, you you're a frequent collaborator with my husband John Chaka, and but also with my advisor, um, who Mike Wolf, who you know isn't quite in the same area of math generally. And so yeah, you do, yes. you have worked in a lot of um, a, a lot of different fields, and I feel like your name pops up, you know, in in a very wide range of um, things related to geometry, analysis, dynamics. But uh, yeah, sort of you you got your finger in a lot of pots. <laughs> right, right. Well, okay. So, what is it? What's your favorite theorem? Oh, okay. So, um, it's called the it's called the Riemann mapping theorem. Yes. So let me let me give a little bit of of background. Um, the first thing it in, involves um, subsets of the plane, uh, which are called simply connected. And this is a notion from topology. And let me just say I I looked at one of your um, 
you know, podcasts and someone else talked about the Jordan curve theorem, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where if you have a um, simple curve in the plane could be very, very complicated, simple closed curve, then it has an inside and an outside. And the inside is simply connected. Um, mm -hmm. And a way of thinking about what simply connected means is heuristically, it doesn't have any, it has no holes. Mm -hmm. um, right. And um, but as you also has been pointed out, uh, they can be very complicated. Um, uh, Jordan curves, uh, certainly they can be simple looking like a circle. The inside of a circle is a simply connected, the inside of a rectangle. Um, uh, but on the other hand, the Jordan curve can be very complicated like a um, snowflake, a, um, a Coke. Uh, I, I never remember how to pronounce that. Is it Coke snowflake? Let's go with um, Coke. Pardon me? Let's go with that, sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so that's very complicated. It's a, uh, the boundary, the, the curve is a fractal. Uh, so, so already simply connected domains can be very complicated, but they don't even have to be just the inside of a um, Jordan curve. You could take the plane itself. Here's a very simple example. Uh, you could take all the positive real numbers include zero and take it away from the complex plane from the, the plane so the plane minus the real axis and also my the positive real axis and also subtract the origin that's simply connected it doesn't have any holes um and it's not a inside of a of a curve mm -hmm. um you could also on on the other hand here's something that isn't simply connected um, you could remove uh, the interval zero one, uh, including zero and one mm -hmm. from your plane, um, just that interval on the real axis. And that is not simply connected because the complement or the, the plane minus that has a hole, which mm -hmm. is that interval zero one can be thought of as a hole. Mm -hmm. So that's notion of simply connected. Um, uh, I don't know whether I should say more. I mean, that's the sort of that's, thought, what I thought to say about what simply connected No, that's me. great. Yeah, that, that's, yeah. Okay. that's a good explanation, yep. Okay, and so that's a topological notion. Um, and then the other thing that goes into the um, this theorem is um, a notion from geometry. Well, actually a notion from geometry and a notion from uh, complex analysis, but let me, let take a basic notion from geometry, which is called conformal. Um, and the idea is that if you suppose you have two domains in the plane and you have a transformation from one to the other, um, and you say it's conformal if it's angle preserving. So that means that if in the first domain you have a pair of arcs, or maybe you prefer to think of them as straight lines, but it's better to think of a couple of arcs that meet at a point. And then you apply the transformation and you get a pair of arcs that meet in the image under the transformation. Um, and you could measure the angle that you started with between the pair of arcs and the angle of the images of the pairs of arcs. And if the, the angles are equal um, you at every point um, for every pair of arcs uh, at those points, 
then you say the transformation is conformal, angle preserving. Mm -hmm. um, now, in some ways, the nicest, so let me give some examples that are and are not. Um, the nicest transformations, certainly of the plane are linear transformations, sure. um, you know, given by two by two matrices. And um, they turn out not to be typically conformal. Um, there are some that are, for example, a rotation um, about the origin um, is conformal. Uh, you know, if you have two lines, then and you rotate them, the angle they make after rotation is the same as the angle they started with. Um, if you, this isn't strictly a linear transformation, it's called affine. If you take a translation of the plane, if you take a point in every point and you add the same vector, you think of it as vectors, that's angle preserving, that's a conformal transformation. Um, here's another one that's back to linear. Um, if you take, for example, uh, every point with has say coordinates x comma y, and you multiply x by two and y by two. So you multiply the coordinates by the same number, two. Um, that's called a like a scaling, and that's angle preserving. One can sort of trick check that out. What that transformation does maybe is, for example, it could take a square with a one vertex at the origin a unit square and then another vertex at, on the x-axis at the point one zero and a, another point zero one, the last point at one one. And it takes a unit square to a two by two square mm -hmm. and that's angle preserving. Mm -hmm. um, but that's it. Um, and the, well, the composition, but typical linear transformations are not angle preserving. So for example, if you took xy and you um, the transformation took xy to 2x comma y over 2. So it multiplies in the x direction by 2 and multiplies in the y direction by a half. It takes a unit square into a rectangle, and that's not angle preserving. It preserves the right angles, but it doesn't preserve other angles. Yeah. So, you can th imagine the diagonal is, you know. The diagonal will be right. closer to the x-axis. So the diagonal, which made an angle of 45 degrees, will be moved with the x-axis. The x-axis goes to itself, mm -hmm. and the image of the diagonal is moved closer to the x-axis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, there aren't maybe there aren't so many linear transformations uh, of the plane to itself. Um, and um, so let me tell you what the theorem is, and this is. A, and a beautiful, beautiful theorem, I think, and it was really, um, uh, you know, a cornerstone of, in the 19th century of the beginnings of complex analysis and, oh yes, and I, I'm sorry, before I do that, let me also connect conformal, as I had mentioned, to complex analysis. Um, mm -hmm. One also can think of the Euclidean plane as the complex plane, where xy becomes x plus iy becomes a complex number z. Mm -hmm. And then um, conformal, another way of saying it is that the map, the transformation from some region in the plane to some other region in the plane um, 
has a complex derivative. It has, mm -hmm. it's what you call as complex analytic. It has a derivative and, and the derivative is not zero. Um, again, I looked at your podcast, someone talked about the Cauchy-Riemann equations mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um, that's exactly what complex analytic means is that the Cauchy-Riemann equations hold. Right. Ux equals V where, where, where W is X, U plus IV and Z is X plus IY, then it's complex analytic if Ux equals VY and minus UY equals VX. That's the Cauchy-Riemann equations. And that's from complex analysis um, and is in some, because it has the names Cauchy and Riemann who are the, in some <laughs> sense, the founders of complex analysis. Um, and, and that's equivalent to conformal. So even there, just in this, there's already a kind of an amazing theorem that relates. And I think obviously you, you had a, somebody on your podcast maybe talk about this that relates complex analysis to geometry, mm -hmm. uh, conformal mm -hmm. meaning angle preserving and complex analytic meaning, let's say Cauchy-Riemann equations hold. Okay, so the theorem, um, the theorem is that if I take any simply connected sets domain in the complex plane, other than the complex plane itself, mm -hmm. okay, and I take the unit disk, so that's inside the circle of radius one, so that's simply connected, mm -hmm. I can find a conformal transformation from the unit disk to this simply connected domain. And maybe thinking about the inverse, it's a conformal transformation from that maybe crazy simply connected domain to the unit disk. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's the uh, Riemann mapping theorem. Yeah, and it's just amazing. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think there's it's part of me that still doesn't believe that it's true. Um, <laughs> and I, I think, yeah, I, I've actually just, I don't know when it was, a, a, maybe a month or two ago, I think I was brushing my teeth or something and just thinking about like, why hasn't someone picked the Riemann mapping theorem yet for my favorite <laughs> oh. theorem? <laughs> oh, okay. It is, so, yeah. All right. It's a really mind-blowing theorem. So when I teach the undergraduate complex analysis course yeah. that we have, I don't get to it until the very end. Yeah. Um, and, and it's kind of hard. You can't even really prove it, especially, but uh, yeah. at, that, at that level. But um Students just look at me like, "There's this no way this is true. That this this okay, can't yeah. be true." Uh, so it's really remarkable that anything. I mean, you're right. I mean, these simply connected domains can be bizarre, but they're conformally equivalent to the unit yeah. disk. That that's just it blows my mind still. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just hard to imagine like the this fractal snowflake. You know, how can you straighten that out? enough to just be like a circle mm -hmm. and yeah. Let me, let me, I mean, let me contrast it. And this also goes back kind of to the fun founding mathematicians in the subject. If I take a, what's called an annulus, let's say I take the circle of radius one and I take the circle of radius R where R is bigger than one and I take the region between them. So the region mm -hmm. between two concentric circles, um, that's not simply connected because it has a hole, mm -hmm. namely the inside of the unit circle is the hole. And so if I take one of um, radius, the inner is radius one, the outer radius is 
R, and I take another one, inner radius one and outer radius R prime, and let's say R prime is not R equal to R, so it's a different outer radius, they're not conformally equivalent. Um, even though they're very simple yeah. boundaries, they're circles. So there was something very, very special about simply connected. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's also kind of what makes the theorem amazing uh, that, you know, you really, really, and then the fact that it doesn't work for something not simply connected uh, started a whole field of mathematics uh, that uh, has been going on for close to 200 years. Mm -hmm. uh, and so was this kind of a love at first sight theorem for you uh, the first time you saw uh, it? I, you know, I guess I, <laughs> I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I, 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 I was in college a, a little bit while ago and I don't, don't think I had complex analysis in college. And so I may not have run into it then, but certainly as a first year graduate student at, at, at University of Minnesota um, and my uh, professor who then became my thesis advisor uh, within a year, you know, uh, for my PhD advisor, um, that was somehow his field. And so we certainly, I certainly learned it as a graduate student and, and that led me, I, I, you know, again, I can't exactly say it led me to what I do, but it, you know, it certainly had a, a big influence and, and things that I do sort of have grown out of this whole history of, um, of this, uh, you know, from the, from, from the um, Riemann mapping theorem. Mm -hmm. So is this one of those theorems that's actually named correctly? Did, did, yeah, you know, did Riemann actually I, prove I, it? I, I don't know. I'm not a historian, you know. Um, I mean, I could ask, I, you know, for that matter, as the Cauchy-Riemann equations uh, named after the right people? Um, mm, that's a good um, question. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know the modern proof that you one sees in the um, uh, in books on the Riemann mapping theorem um, is not due to Riemann. It's it's I think early twentieth century. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I think it, is it Poincaré maybe? No, well, no, not it's um, uh, you know now my my mind is yeah going blank here for a second. Um, it's someone. <laughs> or, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I you know um, I don't know. I'm not a you know. A historian, and and I did not look it up to say does is does Riemann really deserve credit? But oh wait, I I looked at Wikipedia. I, I, yeah. I'm cheating. Uh, the first rigorous <laughs> proof of the theorem was given by William Fogg Osgood in 1900. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. yeah. So apparently okay. Riemann Riemann this was in his thesis actually, but there was some oh, issue, okay. there was some issues. It, it depended on uh, the Dirichlet principle. And uh, Hilbert sort of fixed it enough that it was okay, but but yeah, the Osgood is credited with the first rigorous. Well, proof. isn't it also somehow the case again that mathematicians two hundred years ago did not quite have the rigor that that's uh, that true. Is that that's, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Cauchy sort of put limits on the right footing more or less, but I think it still took a little while to get it cleaned okay. up, right? So. So are there any really interesting applications of this theorem that you like, or is it just sort of um, a, a beauty for its own sake kind of thing? Yeah, I, I guess, gosh, you know, I'm not sure. Um, mm -hmm. I think beauty for its own, I mean, but also to my mind, it, it opened up a whole branch of mathematics where you study, um, well, for example, 
um, you study surfaces and uh, or maybe it's the difference between topologists and geometers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a topologist thinks, you know, says that a donut, you know, famously mm -hmm. a donut is the same as a coffee cup with a, you know, with a handle and so forth. And geometers say, well, um, we could put different ways of measuring angles, different metrics on a torus right. and that are not conformally equivalent, that the, the, there's no transformation from one to the other that preserves angles. Right. And this uh, Riemann mapping theorem says, no, you can't do that for simply connected. They are conformally the same, but as soon as we move to maybe topologically more complicated things like a torus or even these annuli or surfaces of higher, you know, with more holes, genus, mm -hmm. you know, then um, there are different ways of put, putting metrics and measuring mm -hmm. angle and so forth. And so it opened up. And again, this actually also has Riemann's name to it. It's, you know, the Riemann moduli space mm -hmm. is the study of all metrics on a space. And um, so, yeah, again, I, I, I'm not sure of a, haven't thought, you know, of, a, of an application so much to other fields, but mm -hmm. something that it's a beautiful and unexpected theorem that opened up, you know, whole vistas of mathematics, I think, right, you know, right. in the last, whatever, I don't know, remember when Riemann stated this and probably, when did he live in the 1840s? In the middle, maybe? Yeah, middle 1900s. Yeah. 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 So that's been 175 years or something right. that people are studying, have been studying consequences in some sense of, of this or mm -hmm. analogs of this. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, well, and so this is something I never, I, I feel like I never wonder it at the right time to, to check and see, but is there a place where you can go and say like, this is my domain one and, and like, yeah, maybe it's a square or maybe it's uh, the flag of Nepal or, or you know yeah. something and this is my domain two or, or just a unit circle and here is the conformal map between them. Is that something no, that typically exists. not um the you can certainly um there are certainly examples where you can but it's very very rare that you can write down an explicit formula for the map that's again maybe why it's such a beautiful theorem but um uh you cannot i don't i um let's see i i i hope i'm not good I, maybe you can do it for a circle to an ellipse. Um, maybe I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure there, mm -hmm. you know, there are people who know much, obviously know much, much more about find something explicit, mm -hmm. but in general, no, if you take um, some crazy Jordan, no way do you know, you know an explicit formula. Right. You, you just know it's there. It, you know yeah. it's there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's important, though, right? If you're going to go looking for a needle in the haystack, you do, in fact, want to know there's a needle in it. So yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. All right. So another fun part of our podcast is we ask our guests to pair their theorem with something. So oh, we, we're, we're dying to know what, what pairs well with the Riemann mapping theorem. Well, okay. I thought about that a lot. And, and uh, this is the harder part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I tried desperately to find food, but I couldn't think of really the right thing. So I, I do love music. Mm -hmm. And um, 
this is maybe crazy far-fetched, but I, um, I paired it with uh, Stravinsky's Rite of Spring mm. um, be, only because uh, to me, uh, I mean, that, uh, that this Riemann mapping theorem kind of revolutionized geometry and complex analysis. And I think of the Rite of Spring of Stravinsky, which was premiered in, in early 20th century revolutionized modern music, uh, contemporary music. That's that's the best I can do. <laughs> well, I like that. I do too. And for all we know, there were riots after Riemann published. Yeah, well, there could have been. Like, there could have been. You know, there's no way this is true. Mathematicians <laughs> yeah. stormed out. Yeah, maybe he gave a lecture and people threw tomatoes at him. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I must say when I was thinking about asking you to be on the podcast i did think about the many wonderful meals that we have shared together and i know that howie is a great appreciator of the finer things in life including music too we've um i think we've gone to a concert together nice. uh and yeah so i i thought that this would be an excellent thing you know i was i was talking uh with john earlier yeah. about um you know, like, what is how we get a pair with it? And my first thought was actually pancakes, which I, I think are a little, maybe a little pedestrian, but that you can make them into so many different shapes. And there's even, there are people who will do these things where, you know, if you pour the batter on in a certain way, you know, you can get these beautiful things. I, I mean, part of it is part of the batter cooks longer than mm -hmm. the rest of it. And so you've got shading based on, um, you know, how they do. I've seen, I think, you know, Yoda and mm -hmm. uh, like, I don't know, all sorts of different things. Okay. There's this uh -huh. Instagram yeah. account, but that was what is just all these different shapes you can do. Um, I see. But John actually suggested jigsaw puzzles oh, uh, or no, uh, sorry. He first, he said jigsaw puzzles, but there's only one right way to do that. But then he said tangrams where, oh, yeah. you know, those things with all the, sh you know, there's a square oh. and triangles and stuff. And then, you know, you can rearrange them to make all these different shapes. Although those are non-continuous maps, so right. it wouldn't be right. uh, quite uh -huh. as good. But but I do like the Rite of Spring, and it means that Stravinsky is doing really great on my favorite theorem. Yeah. Because Eriko Hironaka actually picked um, Stravinsky also. Uh, so Firebird. Firebird that she picked the Firebird. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Maybe, um, I'll have to look. Maybe look at her podcast. We should uh, maybe I'll give her a Zoom meeting and we can compare um, music and the map. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But okay. but I like that. And I, I am now going to retcon in um, some riots following uh, Riemann declaring that that's right that you can oh, okay. make yeah. these yeah. Uh, yeah. conformal maps. Yeah. All right. Well this has been great fun. Uh, I, I I do love the Riemann mapping theorem and, and Howie, thanks yeah. for joining us. This well really thank you for great. having me. It was a pleasure. Yeah. All right. Okay, take it. Thanks for listening to My Favorite Theorem, hosted by Kevin Knudsen and Evelyn Lamb. The music you're hearing is a piece called Fractalia, a percussion quartet performed by four high school students from Gainesville, Florida. They are Blake Crawford, Gus Knudsen, Del Mitchell, and Bao Chan Nguyen. You can find more information about the mathematicians and theorems featured in this podcast, along with other delightful mathematical treats, at Kevin's website, kpknudsen.com and Evelyn's blog, Roots of Unity, on the Scientific American Blog Network. We love to hear from our listeners, so please drop us a line at myfavoritetheorem at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. 
Kevin's handle on Twitter is at NivikNazdunk. That's Kevin spelled backwards, followed by Knudsen spelled backwards. And Evelyn's is at Evelyn J. Lamb. The show itself also has a Twitter feed. The handle is M-Y-F-A-V-E-T-H-M. That's at my favorite theorem. Join us next time to learn another fascinating piece of mathematics.